Hi, good morning. I'd like to welcome everyone to the services today. It's good to see everyone here. I would like to remind those that are visiting with us that we have lunch after services today. So we gladly ask that you stay afterwards and enjoy a meal with us downstairs. There'll be plenty of food. I'd like to ask you for a quick minute to think about uh, yourself, think about what others might think about you. When people think about you, what comes to mind? What do you think that they think about? How would people describe you? What is the first thing that would come to mind when your name comes up in conversation? We all have a reputation, something that we're known for, something we're good at, something that we like to do. We might not be good at it, but maybe we like to do it. Maybe that's where we like to spend some of our time, things that we like to participate in. This is something that we discuss at our house regularly. Because there are things that we do and that we say that influence others. And when your name comes up in conversation, we should desire for others to see Jesus in us. When our names come up in conversation, we should desire for others to view us and speak about us in a positive way. And as this picture indicates, do you lift a helping hand? Are you available when needed? Are you dependable? Can you be counted on? Do you lift others up? Do you encourage others? One of the verses we'll discuss this morning gives a very positive description of a character that we're going to study this morning. Acts 11 and 24 says, For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. I think that's a statement that we would all be satisfied with if that was what was used to describe us. And that's exactly how Barnabas was described. His given name was Joseph, but the apostles called him Barnabas. And Acts 4 and 36 tells us that uh, the name given to him by the apostles translates into son of encouragement. We'll study Barnabas this morning, and I pulled out a few points, a few characteristics that I'd like to study for a few minutes. Things that I thought were relevant uh, to us, things that we should consider in how we treat others and how we build others up. Barnabas was known as an encourager. If you have not received much encouragement in your life, or maybe just lately, maybe lately you haven't felt very encouraged. I'm sure that there was times that you wished that you received a little bit more encouragement from others. Someone would encourage you to pursue something. Someone would be that positive influence and that positive encourager telling you that, that you can do something instead of hearing that you can't or that's not going to work or why are you even trying to do that? It gets old when we're always told that we're not good enough. We're going to learn this morning that Barnabas was a great encourager and had a lasting influence on the early church and he helped to develop several apostles early in their ministry. Let's read in Acts 4, starting in the 36th verse. And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. The background that we have on Barnabas is that he was a landowner, a native of Cyprus, and a Levite. 
He was an early Christian in Jerusalem, and he spent a lot of time with the apostles. The first thing that we can take away from studying Barnabas is that our brethren are more important than our possessions. At the end of Acts 4, we learn that Barnabas, he sold a tract of land and he laid the entirety of of those proceeds at the apostles' feet to help needy brethren. During these times, land and livestock were the two most valuable possessions in terms of financial wealth. Those were two of the most uh, financially wealthy things that an individual could own. Land ownership enabled you to grow crops. It enabled you to... Uh, raise and provide for livestock, which provided income for your family. Today, we have many other possessions that are more valuable than land. Even the land that we do own that's usually attached to our homes, our homes have a much greater value than the actual land that it sits on. So during these times, the willingness of Barnabas to sell land to help needy brethren was very generous. Not only was he willing to donate an asset, but it was an asset that was directly tied to his ability to earn a living and provide for himself and for his family. In Acts 5, and I know that we are familiar with this account, in Acts 5, Ananias and Sapphira, they sold some land and they gave proceeds to the apostles as well. But in this chapter, we learn that they had actually only given part of the proceeds. So there was a problem with their contribution. They held back some of those proceeds while pretending to give the entire amount. They were deliberately deceptive. They schemed to acquire a reputation that they didn't deserve for a virtue that they didn't possess. And we learn later in Acts 5 that both Ananias and Sapphira, they dropped dead when they were approached by Peter and asking why they were not truthful. They were not truthful with God. I bring that up because we have two very similar situations with Barnabas and then Ananias and Sapphira selling land and giving it to the apostles. And it's interesting that, that, that these, two, uh, these two sets of scriptures with Barnabas ends chapter 4 and Ananias and Sapphira starts chapter 5. So we have these two situations that occur uh, very, very close together. And I think there's a reason why we're taught of these two scenarios so close, so that we can easily see that there is a major difference, a significant difference in these individuals. Barnabas contributed with a clean heart. He had a desire to help his brethren. He sold land, and he gave all the money to the apostles. He valued his brethren more than he valued his possessions. Remember Jesus, his words in Luke 12 and 15 which says, And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that he possesses. We do not know how wealthy Barnabas was. But he certainly grasped this concept. Barnabas was willing to share, and he put more emphasis on helping those in need than increasing his personal wealth and his personal gain. We also read of this in 1 Timothy 6. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. Barnabas did not put his trust in his wealth. 
but he put his trust in God. He was able to use the blessings from God to serve others and store up his treasures in heaven. Barnabas would tell us that our brethren are more important than our possessions. The second point that I'd like to discuss is, it might not be your time. In general, we desire to get in a hurry. I, I tell my family that it, the American way, hurry up and go wait in line. Let's hurry up and get in the car so we can go sit in traffic. We desire. We're always in a hurry. We have a desire to be in a hurry. At 12 years old, we have a desire to be a teenager. We can't wait to become a teenager. At 18 years old, we can't wait to move out of our parents' house. We want that independence. Then we get in our 20s and we figure out that mom and dad's house, it wasn't that bad after all. We get jobs and the adulting begins. We begin a career and all these financial commitments are stacking up. We want to move up the ladder. We want to make more money. We want all of this responsibility. We want more. We get into our 40s and we start to look forward to retirement. And I often joke with Katrina and I say, I'm 43 years old and I can't wait for 55. I can't wait for 65. Why am I in a hurry? We're always in a hurry. Barnabas teaches us an important lesson to slow down and understand that it might not be our time. As we read through Acts, we've been introduced to Barnabas and his servant mentality. As I mentioned earlier, the scriptures point out that he was a great man. As Acts 11.24 says, he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And although we've recently learned about Barnabas and the kind of reputation that he had uh, in these early chapters in Acts, he was not chosen to be part of something. And he was not chosen to be part of a work. And as we study the situation and how he wasn't chosen, I want you to think about yourself. Think about how you would react in a situation like this. Because personally, I like to be chosen. I like to be asked to be involved. It feels good to us. In grade school, we always wanted to be picked first. We always wanted to be picked first to be on that kickball team. We get in our older years and we get into the workforce and there's always these various groups and task force at work and we desire to be part of those. We want someone to recognize us as to be part and someone that can contribute. In the beginning verses of Acts 6, we learn of an issue where the Jews, they were having uh, some problems and they felt that their widows were not being cared for. We'll read these scriptures starting in the first verse of Acts 6. Now in those days, in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Proterus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parnavius, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. So the apostles told the brethren to choose seven men to look after this situation. 
They specifically noted that these seven would be of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit, and be considered smart and trustworthy men. That description sounds a lot like the qualities that Acts 11 uses to describe Barnabas. However, when the Jerusalem congregation, they picked these seven men to lead this work and providing for the widows, Barnabas was not on the list. He wasn't chosen. Barnabas, he could have been upset that he was left out. He could have thrown up his hands. He could have came frustrated that he wasn't included. But there's no record that Barnabas felt overlooked. There's no record that he had an issue with not being selected. And we'll cover that more in a few minutes. But he went on to do great work for the church. And he traveled and helped establish early churches in other cities. It's common for us to get upset when we feel overlooked. This happens in our careers. Maybe you didn't get that promotion you thought you deserved. Maybe uh, you, you didn't get recognized in your ex- extracurricular activities. Maybe you didn't get that starting position or first chair in that competition. It's important that we be patient and we wait our time. Do you remember remember the football movie about Rudy Rudiger? Surely everyone has seen the movie Rudy. This football player, he never gave up. He's smaller than the others, he's slower than the others, and he's completely mismatched in everything that he did on the football field. But he never gave up. He valued his involvement in the team more than his personal gratification as a starting player. Rudy served on the scout team his entire time in college, and he finally got his chance. He worked for four years on the scout team to play just a few plays. He was patient, and he was willing to wait his time. Unfortunately, we have a hard time waiting. We feel underutilized. We feel undervalued. We don't feel appreciated. We feel left out. So we leave jobs, we walk out on our families, and sometimes we leave the church high and dry. I know people who have left good jobs making good money to go search for something else. Surely there's something better out there. They quickly realize that the grass is not always greener on the other side. I know, I know guys who were so mad about not getting a promotion that they quit on the spot, and they said a lot of things on their way out that they couldn't take back. When Barnabas wasn't chosen to help with the widows, he could have left in search of someone, something else. He could have been disappointed. He could have walked out, but he didn't. Barnabas simply continued doing what he could do. He continued to help where he could. When the time came that his specific skills were needed for a specific task, he was ready to get to work. He might not have been involved with the widows, but look, look what happens in Acts 11. Starting in the 22nd verse, the news of, the, of these came to the ears of the church of Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. When he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all with the purpose of his heart, of heart, that they should continue with the Lord. I think it's important, I think it's very important that we be ready to serve. We need to be patient at times, but we need to be ready to serve. 
we need to take advantage of opportunities when they come our way. My next point is similar, similar topic. We need to serve where we are needed. In Acts 11, the church was being established in Antioch, and we learned that many believed. Starting in the 19th verse, we read, Now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as uh, Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only, but some of them that were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who, when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard about this work, they, they wanted someone to go and strengthen the church there. So Barnabas was sent. This was not a small trip. He was not sent over down the street to someone's house to help load up a truck. He was not sent to go hook up a washer and dryer. He wasn't sent to, to go spend an hour mowing someone's lawn. We learn in Acts 13 that Barnabas traveled with Paul to multiple cities. This was a life-changing event. This was a big work. This was a difficult work. I spent eight years working in Richardson for a cell phone company. We were eventually acquired, and my position in Richardson was eliminated. So I was told that I was being let go, uh, that my position was eliminated here in the Dallas area. But I can move to Seattle. They'd be happy for me to come join them in Seattle. I had absolutely no interest in moving to Seattle. I knew multiple people that took roles in Seattle. They picked up their family. They moved across the country. I had no interest in doing that. And while I was interviewing for jobs, I was often asked, as why I was leaving my previous employer, so I would explain my situation. And the thing that shocked me the most was how people were surprised that I wasn't willing to leave uh, my home, to leave a church family, and pick up and move across the country. But Barnabas was willing to go where he was needed. His service was needed, and he was willing to go. And Barnabas, his travels, they were much more intense than just moving across a few state lines. We often see this with evangelists. I can't imagine how difficult that might be for them to, to pick up their family and move to a new area in small towns where they don't know anyone. But there's a church that was in, that's in need, and they make that sacrifice in their service to the Lord. Think about the sacrifice that Barnabas made, that he was willing to make. The thing is, he knew that he was not attached to this world. He knew his possessions, his life on this earth was temporary. He was willing to pack up and go where he was needed. He was willing to go serve where he was needed. This didn't mean that things would be easy or comfortable. We're talking about long journeys. We're talking about persecution. We're talking about doubt, maybe even self-doubt. When you're, you're going to a new city, you're nervous about what you're going to encounter. And I'm sure that there were long hours, but Barnabas was willing to go, and he was willing to serve where he was needed. 
The next topic for discussion this morning is developing others or training others. It's important that we understand that we can't do everything ourselves. Sometimes we need to reach out because we need help and we need assistance. We need to realize that we can't do everything all the time. So we need to train others so that they can help and they can be useful. Let's revisit Acts 11. In the 22nd verse, Then news of these things came to the ears of the church of Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. When he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all with the purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. So the apostles sent Barnabas to strengthen and aid the new Christians in Antioch. Look what Barnabas did. Look what Barnabas did when he started out on this journey. In the 25th verse, Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was there for a whole year. They assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. One of the greatest contributions Barnabas made, many say that that one of his greatest contributions was bringing Paul with him. Barnabas was not interested in what would make him look the best if he, if he then would have, have tried to accomplish everything himself. Maybe he wanted to do everything on his own, but that wasn't in the best interest of the church. Instead, he was interested in what was the best for the brethren, what was best, best for the growth of the early church. He was able to see the congregation, congregation needed someone in addition to himself, so he went And he got Paul. The scripture says Barnabas departed to seek Paul. I think this attitude of seeking assistance goes hand in hand with the encouragement that we discussed earlier. When you're developing someone, introducing something new to them, getting them involved in something that maybe they hadn't been involved with before, encouragement is key. Everyone wants to know, how can I be successful? People spend a lot of money trying to read and learn how to be successful. And you read books and articles about highly successful people, and one of the things that you'll read and that you'll learn is that you need to surround yourself with people smarter than yourself. When you assemble a team, you want to create the most successful environment possible. When you're hiring people, you choose people with different skill sets. You figure out what your greatest weakness is, and then you go find someone to fill that gap for you. That's how you build success. If you hire, people, if you have, if you hire five people and they're all like you, your team is going to be really good at some things. But there's going to be areas that you're weak because they have the same weaknesses that you do. So you hire people with those different skill sets, and you assemble a team with different people with different skill sets. Barnabas could have went to Antioch alone, and I'm sure that he would have done a fine job. He could have stayed, and he could have gave it his best shot. Maybe, maybe he would have been successful. But if he would have failed, or if he hadn't done as good of a job as he could have, then he would have been putting the growth of those early Christians at risk. Fortunately, we don't have to discuss the what-ifs. Barnabas saw a need, and he saw an opportunity in Paul. 
And as he evaluated this situation, he knew that he needed help, and he saw that opportunity to go seek Paul and get assistance, get someone to assist him, develop Paul, develop his counseling and leadership skills. One thing that's interesting as you read through Acts is that there's a, a past history between Barnabas and Paul. Barnabas had seen something in Paul. He had seen something. And while others were afraid, Barnabas was the one to step up and vouch for him. We read of this in Acts 9, starting in the 26th verse. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid and did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, and that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus the name of Jesus. What we learn here in Acts 9 is that when Paul had first come to, to Jerusalem after he had been converted, the Christians, they were afraid of him. They were afraid of this guy. They knew of his reputation. They knew that he persecuted Christians. So there was an uneasy feeling when Paul was first around. So as everyone was initially afraid of Paul, Barnabas was able to calm their fears. Barnabas explained to the apostles that Paul had been converted, that he had spoken to the Lord, and that when he went to Damascus, he had preached of the Lord. Barnabas saw something in Paul. And he was, interested in, he was interested in giving him the opportunity to grow. Paul became the most influential apostle through his writings and counseling of early Christians, and the church benefited from Barnabas seeing that potential in him early. The last point that I want to make this morning is the importance of that we be patient with our brethren because disagreements are going to happen. Disagreements are going to be happening and we have to learn how to resolve them and move on. So we just discussed how Barnabas was a mentor to Paul. He stood up for him, he helped him grow in his counseling and they worked together to assist Christians and establish churches. But they went on journeys together. They went on long journeys together. And we all know what occasionally happens when we spend too much time with someone. There came a point when Barnabas and Paul did not see eye to eye. And Acts 13 documents an argument between Barnabas and Paul. And what we're going to see is that they continued with their ministry. That's very important. They continued with their ministry. They didn't break away from the church, and they didn't give up on the, all the progress that they had made. In the beginning of Acts 13, we see Paul, Barnabas, and Mark traveled to Cyprus to preach the word of God. We'll read those in Acts 13. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia. And from there, they sailed to Cyprus. And when they arrived in Seleucia, Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. They also had John as their assistant. Note the reference in this last scripture of John. That's referring to John Mark, who's we just referred to as Mark. 
After they had finished in Cyprus, they were continuing on their journey into another city. At this time, Mark goes. Uh, Mark does not go with them, so he does not go with them. He does not continue, and he does not go with them. And he went back to Jerusalem. Nothing else is said here about his departure. We don't know why he went back to Jerusalem. Uh, we don't know if there was an issue or a disagreement or or something that Mark needed to go tend to. Uh, or that bringing, maybe bringing Mark along on these multiple journeys, maybe that was never the intent. We don't know. But it's very possible that Mark did not part on good terms with Paul. And we'll see that in a moment. When we get to Acts 15, Paul and Barnabas, they're uh, preparing to go back and their visit with brethren in these other cities that they had already went and help establish churches. Uh, the scripture says that they wanted to go see how they were doing. They wanted to go back and check up on them. To make this journey, Barnabas, Barnabas wanted to take Mark. So Barnabas had a desire to take Mark as they went back to some of these cities. We've already uh, talked about Barnabas, how he was very influential with Paul uh, in his development and, and with his counseling and teaching. And we see again that Barnabas was willing to work with Mark, and he saw something in Mark. He wanted to work with Mark and take him along. But Paul had a problem with this. And we'll pick up reading in Acts 15, in verse 38. But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylic. I'm not going to be able to say that right. So he's referring to Mark, to not uh, the one who had departed from them and had not gone with them to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Sicily, strengthening the churches. <clears throat> Paul did not want to take Mark. And the scripture says that their contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. sounds intense. Paul and Barnabas, they, they got so upset with each other that they just agreed to go their separate ways, but they didn't pull out of doing God's work. And that's key. They just agreed to go their separate ways. They both traveled to different cities, and Acts 15 says they went to these different cities, strengthening the churches. Barnabas's patience with Mark paid off. It paid off, and we'll see that in the writing in the second book. Um, we see him writing the second book that we have in the New Testament, the Gospel of Mark. And even Paul eventually came to see Mark as a valuable asset. As we read in 2 Timothy 4, only Luke, so this is Paul. Paul says, only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to, to me for ministry. Arguments, differences, frustrations, they happen between us from time to time. We get upset with family members. We have disagreements with church members. But as we learn from Barnabas and Paul, it's important we not let that drive us away. That, that We don't let that divide us. We don't hold on to that frustration. And most importantly, we don't let it affect our service to the Lord. I think it's important that we study men 
and women of the Bible. We learn of the things that, that they did, that we can do. We learn of the things that we should do, the things that we shouldn't do. There's plenty of that we learn from. God records the histories of men such as Barnabas to show us the great things that he can do through men and women that strive to serve him. As I was working my way through Acts in studying Barnabas and, and some of these travels and his involvement with, with Paul and with Mark, I just kept thinking, what, what did Barnabas do that we can do today? What did he do that we can do for each other? And my mind just kept going to Hebrews 10 and 24. Because we might not get the opportunity to travel to new parts of the country to spread God's word. We might not get the opportunity to teach and encourage a young Mark or a young Paul that turned out to be uh, such a high caliber of influence on the, the young Christian church. But there is something we can do. Hebrews 10 and 24, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Right here today, we can stir up good luck, good, good uh, works with one another. We can be that encourager. I know that we can do that. We can encourage, we can, we can participate, we can lift each other up, we can be that shoulder to cry on, we can make that phone call, we can make that visit, we can make that casserole for someone who needs help. We can drive someone across town to a doctor's appointment. We can be there for each other, and that's what I encourage all of us to do today. Take the things that we've learned this morning and go encourage someone. Go build someone up. Be that person they can depend on. That concludes the remarks that I had this morning. I appreciate your attention. I have not spoken on salvation. I have not spoken on baptism this morning, but we want to stress the importance of being baptized for the remission of your sins. We're going to sing an imitation song at this time, and if you'd like to be baptized, if you'd like the prayers of the church, if the church can assist you with anything, we just ask that you come forward and sit on the front row. Yeah,